Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, we have a great show lined up for today. Some very timely information. You know, we're going to start off with the five signs that you'll never retire. Mm. And I hate to be pessimistic. That is, but that is kind of a negative. It is kind of negative. Start, There's Steve. a positive way to look at it. You know, there, if okay. you don't have these five signs, <laughs> it's a good, good sign you will retire. But yep. if you have these five signs, yeah, I mean, these are important. And these are important. These are pretty common things that uh, you can notice in folks, you know, and if it's, if you fit one of these five, it's kind of a warning flag. You need to, if you own Bitcoin, Bitcoin would be a good one. That's not on our list though. So uh, anyway, so you want to stay tuned for that. Yeah. And then we're going to follow up with a discussion on your credit report. And um, you know, Steve, sometimes there's uh, misinformation on credit reports that you got to take a look at and you have to go and, and address. So we're going to give you eight steps to go and uh, take a look at your credit report and maybe fix some of the old debt issues that you've had in the past. So stick around for that. Yeah, those are becoming more and more important. So that's that will be a good one. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 23 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 25 years. And we are excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, go to our website, moneymd.net. We have the podcast uh, link. You can listen to it from the website, or you can go and check out the historical uh, podcasts that we have. We have over 200 now, I believe. Quite a, Yeah, we've been doing this for a long time. We really so have. We a really lot have. on there. A lot so. of information in the uh, Facebook page. Go check that out. Um, we have a, a video that we post every single week, and we also have a Twitter account as well. So a lot of, a lot of ways to connect with the Money Doctors. Absolutely. And email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net, or you can link to us off our website. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Steve, uh, you know, if you think back, um, you know, nine years ago this last week, um, the S&P 500 bottomed at 677. That was on March the 9th. Wow. And um, <clears throat> that ended a 17-month bear market, which saw the uh, S&P 500 fall about 57%. Yeah. You wow. remember that? That was, that was yeah, almost 10 years ago. It's hard to imagine that it's been that long now, um, nine years ago. But uh, that was tough. That was, you know, I looked it up though, and twelve months later, the market was the, the S and P five hundred was up over seventy percent. Yeah, and that um, mm-hmm. is exactly opposite of the sentiment, right? I mean, right. so there was a weekly survey of stock investors, and indicated mm-hmm. back in that that uh, that particular time frame, seventy percent were bearish. Isn't that amazing? And it's the market- amazing how emotions drive people to to be totally contrary of reality. Mm-hmm. You know, Instead of selling, they should have been buying. They should have been buying. And, and oh. no no one's going to tell you when the low is, right? That's right. I mean, Nobody just, knows. It Nobody just doesn't knows. work that way. So um, don't don't follow the herd. I mean, you see these headlines and so forth. People don't know what the markets are going to do, period. Exactly. Yeah, that was one of the greatest <clears throat> recoveries we've seen, you know, the 12 months following. And yet that was one of the bearish indicators or, or sentiments. Mm-hmm. That, that was know, ever recorded. That we've ever recorded. Yep. Yeah, 70% were thought it was going lower. So, wow, just shows you don't follow your emotions. Your emotions will, will be wrong 
Many times. Many, many times. Right. So great fact of the week. Okay. And that leads up here to our first topic. And that is the five signs you will never retire. Uh, Again, we don't want to be negative, but uh, these are important. You got to make sure you don't fall into one of these categories. And this is based on an article out of U.S. News and we'll report Jeff Rose, um, recent article. But John, you know, as we talk about often, most Americans, you know, they aren't saving enough for retirement. In fact, I mean, as we've seen from the stats many times, most workers, they have saved almost nothing for retirement. The numbers show Social Security is only going to replace about a third of the average person's income. And pensions, as we know, I mean, they're becoming extinct. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're a thing of the past. So if you haven't saved a significant amount in a retirement plan, then you're likely only going to have maybe a third of your pre-retirement income to live off of in retirement from Social Security. That's just not going to get it done, you know. So that probably means if you're... If you're in that category, you're going to be working part-time in retirement probably for the rest of your life, rest of your healthy days. You know, and some workers, they haven't saved out of fear that, you know, they might, or some of the workers who haven't saved, they fear that they'll never be able to retire. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's valid. That's a valid fear. However, I mean, there still may be time to change the course and to reach your retirement goals. So you need to get on on track. You need to sit down with a financial planner or even just a retirement calculator. You've got to be able to figure out where you stand, what you need to do now to start saving more, and how long it'll likely take you to reach your goals. But here are some of the signs that you're on the wrong track and you need to take some immediate corrective action to get back on track. Yeah, and the first sign, Steve, is is you're looking for a quick fix. And um you know, people that are looking for a quick fix, they're probably in the least likely position um, to retire. And, you know, a quick fix can involve things like chasing investment returns or maybe looking for the next Bitcoin or penny stock that can make you rich overnight. You know, looking for a solution to your problems will only distract you from some of those longer term goals and, and proven solutions like having a sound financial plan. And even worse, focusing on a quick fix can can set you up for long term losses um, when the latest and greatest investment, you know, comes, you know, crashing back to earth. And we've seen that with Bitcoin. I mean, a lot of people are trying to use Bitcoin and those cryptocurrencies as their retirement plan. And that's, that's a slippery slope. That is very dangerous. <clears throat> there aren't, you know, there really are not a lot of quick fixes um, to, to fix this situation. Take your piggy bank to Vegas. Um, certainly is not a path, right? And that's no. kind of what Bitcoin is to me when I look at some of those exactly. cryptocurrencies. You know, if you ever want to retire on time, you know, you need to come up with a, a, a comprehensive long-term investment plan that is both realistic and, and actionable. And I like that word, actionable. You have steps that you have to take. Um, but searching for a quick fix will, will do nothing but set you up for failure. And it really gives you false hope. You know, That's right. So be careful with that. Yeah. So instead, you know, develop a sound savings and retirement plan based on a reasonable time horizon and saving budget. Um, you know, so have it budgeted out, figure out exactly how much you need to save each month to get on track, to, to be where you need to be. Even if you only have five years to save, you can make a significant improvement in your standard of living in retirement by sticking to an aggressive and well thought out savings plan in only five years. So go ahead, get on track. Don't look for the quick fix because that will not get you where you need to be in retirement. Most likely. Um, the next one here, John, is you're spending without a plan. 
Now we see this a lot, you know, another sign, it's another sign you'll never retire um, if you're spending your income as soon as it comes in. And we see clients all the time who struggle due to, you know, overspending, especially on cars and houses. You know, if you're over 30 and your car is worth more than the combined value of all your savings, that's a sign you're probably never going to retire. Yeah, you're spending your retirement. Exactly. You don't want to be there. So, you know, if you're in that category, you probably need to sell your car and buy a low-cost used car, which is, you know, probably a good idea no matter what shape you're in. That's right. Financially. Um, And that's equally true no matter what you're spending your excess funds on, whether it's cars, boats, homes, um, that you can't afford or fancy vacations. Overspending is the root cause of many financial failures. So create a solid spending plan, which includes fully funding an an emergency fund, saving 10% for non-routine expenses like repairs and insurance, and then it includes saving 15% for retirement. Um, you want to get to the point that you're paying cash for almost everything and all your debts are paid off beside your house. And at that point, you need to be saving about 15% for retirement. We have never seen a retiree come up short if they've been saving 15% for retirement for 10 years or longer. Mm -hmm. At least I've never seen that. You know, it may exist, but I've been doing this a long time. So get to that point where you're saving 15% for retirement. Have a plan. Have a spending plan. Don't just let it happen by chance because you won't be on the right track. Yeah, that's that's a good one, Steve. Another one here, a, a sign that you're not going to retire is, um, you know, paying off debt is not a priority. And it really is a major reason why people delay their retirement. You know, you look at medical debt and credit card, auto loans, it makes it difficult to retire. So, you know, because you're you're really paying off your past expenses. So if your goal is to retire, you know, one day soon, you should really strive to have all of your de- debts paid off in a timely manner. And then going back, avoid going back into debt at, at all costs. So our goal, what we kind of preach and what we believe in is by retirement, you really need to have all of your debt paid off, including your mortgage. Um, so make sure you amortize your, your mortgage payments and have it completely paid off. And you know, if you refinance your home, it needs to be a 15-year mortgage um, that is amortized by the time it's gone. So I think that's one of the mistakes people make is they'll, they'll upgrade to another house and they'll yeah. get another 30-year mortgage at the age of 55. Well, right. you're, you're always going to have debt if you do that. You can't do that. I mean, if you refinance or upgrade your house, you need to amortize the payments over the remaining period before you retire um, to have it totally paid off right. And mortgage debt also makes it difficult to retire because those monthly payments, they contribute to a much higher cost of living in retirement and it removes all the flexibility you have with your expenses. You know, paying off a mortgage is often a major factor in determining whether you can stop working. You know, we're not saying that you can't retire with a mortgage payment, but it's a lot more difficult. So you need to consider downsizing to a smaller home, um, it may be, uh, you know, where you can have it paid off by retirement. Some people are able to retire with a mortgage because they, they've carefully kind of crafted a retirement plan around that, um, that affords them enough cash flow to cover their monthly payment expenses. But most people can't afford mortgage payments using their retirement income. So, you know, why put yourself in that situation? Have your house paid off by retirement if at all possible. That's a good one. Next one here on the list is, you live paycheck to paycheck. Um, you know, that's a telltale sign that you're never going to retire. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, you have no plans to break that cycle. In our experience in working with individuals, 
we see people who live paycheck to paycheck um, and they very rarely have adequate savings. So, you know, as a matter of fact, I mean, most of them are drowning in debt. So you can't let that happen. You got to break the cycle of debt. Um, It's not easy, but, you know, finding ways to spend less and bring in more income, uh, you know, must be a major priority each and every day if you're in that situation. If you're looking uh, for ways to save money, try tracking your expenses to see where your expenses, your excess goes every month. You know, if you watch your bank and your credit card statements closely, you may find that you're you're spending more than you think in on discretionary categories like dining out, entertainment, shopping. Of course, finding ways to reduce your spending is only part of the equation, you know, since earning more money can also help the situation, and often that's important. So if you can't pick up more hours at work, consider starting a side hustle like, you know, driving for Uber or um, a skill that you can do for money in your spare time, you know, get some extra education. Yeah. Extra income is a is a good thought. Exactly. Part-time so work. That's one of the keys. Yeah. And the last one here, Steve, is, um, you know, a sign that um, you may have trouble to, you know, retiring as you're not invested in the stock market. And of course, you know, you may have enough money that you can retire fine without investing in the stock market at all. However, most people don't uh, have enough money to forego investing some of it in the market. Um, if you look, look back at history, I mean, you know, past performance doesn't guarantee the future results. But over the last 80 years, the market has returned about 10% per year. And that's a lot of good years and some tough years in there as well. So it's average 10% and fixed income has returned less than half of that over the same time period. So the fact is, most people need you know, some returns that you can only get in stocks to be successful in retirement. So if you're one of those people squirreling away money in a bank account or between your mattress, then the chances are you you might not have enough money for retirement. It depends on your situation. Uh, that means you'll likely never retire comfortably if you're not participating, at least somewhat in the market. Again, it depends on your situation. But um, the, the stock market has been a great place historically to uh, to get good returns. That's right. And it gives you a huge edge in preparing for retirement over the years for folks compared to folks who just stick it, you know, in a bank account somewhere. So instead, we would suggest that you use a well-diversified portfolio with a risk level that you're comfortable with and that's appropriate for your age. For most people, that means maybe 60% stocks, maybe 40% fixed income in your investments. However, if you're more than 10 years from retirement, you can afford to be 100% in the stock market, you know, if you're well diversified um, from a time horizon standpoint. So, you know, once you get within about five years of retirement, yes, you should probably consider moving to a portfolio with some fixed income to dampen down the risk. However, even in retirement, you're, will, you will need your portfolio to grow to keep up with inflation and create the income you need on top of inflation. In today's world of low interest rates, that usually means having about half or more of your portfolio in equities exposed to the stock market. So, you know, that's a, that's a sign you may not be able to retire if you don't have exposure to the stock market. All right. Um, that's a good list, and that brings us up here, though, to our question of the week. Yeah, this question we uh, we speak frequently with. Best place to save for my kids' college education, and um, <clears throat> you know, I just had a conversation with some clients that are thinking about their their grandchildren. They want to help out with college, and 
you know, there's there's really two education sort uh, accounts that you can use a 529 plan, um, which you can put in a lot of money. The ESA, uh, you can only put two thousand dollars per year in. Those both will protect the gains if it's used for college, but it limits flexibility a little bit. So some people, um, the the clients I was speaking with this last week, um, for their grandkids, they're probably going to just open up a brokerage account in their names and put the hmm. grandchildren as a um, beneficiary on the account. Yeah. Okay. gives them total flexibility. They can use it um, not only for college, they could use it for a car for the grandchild. So it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. There's a lot of different ways to do that. Yeah, I think from a tax standpoint, you know, there's no better account than the 529 plan for college um, because it is tax deductible at a state level for a lot of people. For South Carolina, right. um, On the front end, so you get a state income tax deduction on the front end, and then it's totally tax-free on the back end as long as it's used for for education. Um, So that's that's a pretty good deal, Mm -hmm. you know. I Mm -hmm. mean, you need to take advantage of that if you plan to put a significant amount of money in in uh, an investment and it you're pretty sure it's for college and it's for education um but otherwise you're right a custodial account you know and the kid's name is okay you know one of the downsides though of course is it becomes theirs yeah um you know once they return they get to be you know age 21 mm-hmm. or age of majority for, in whatever state you're in um you know, so you might want to just keep it in your name. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of different ways. There's a lot of solutions. There is. There is. But uh, anyway, it's a good discussion. And the 529 plan is something you least ought to look at in that situation. All right. And that brings us up here to our next topic. And that is the eight steps to rid your credit report of old debt and, you know, misinformation. Yeah, this is written by Dana Dratch. And, um, you know, Steve, you know, bad credit doesn't have to last forever. I mean, if you take steps to improve your financial life mistakes will disappear from your credit sh- report over should. time. They should. They should. Um, for unpaid or delinquent accounts, the time period is seven years. If you had a Chapter Seven bankruptcy, it's about ten years. So, but there are mistakes that happen, and to prevent these mistakes, credit bureaus they often err on the side of removing bad information a little bit early. Um, so, you know, for delinquencies, most of the bureaus are set up to automatically delete the data after six years. In nine months, or somewhere around that that time frame, so about seven years is the the target. However, there you know negative debts don't always disappear on schedule. There's sometimes misunderstandings, you know, or errors that can result in in, in the debt overstaying its welcome on your credit report. So if you still have some old debt that's on your credit report, you don't have to live with it. I mean, there's eight steps, um, you know, to get it off your your credit report, and we're going to kind of talk about that and jump right into it. Yeah, these are very good because, you know, that's kind of a black box for most people that have no idea how to how to combat problems with their credit report. And uh, so these are really good steps to give you an idea of what you can do. First one here is to verify the age. Um, they say one of the biggest factors in fighting old debt is determining just how old it really is. And, you know, this lady is an expert at Experian that says that if it's not falling off, then the credit reporting companies probably have not received the right date. Mm-hmm. They probably have the wrong date on it. Um, so with a court action, like a judgment or a bankruptcy, determining the date's pretty easy. You know, you count the day that it was filed. But a delinquency is more difficult, she says. You know, the regulatory language is very complicated. But the, the key is you need to verify <laughs> that the age they're listing it as mm-hmm. is correct on there. And if it's over, like you said, seven years, then it likely should be falling off. 
And that, and that can be difficult. I mean, you're thinking about going back with records, you know, four, five, six, seven years. Um, you've got to have that documentation. So verifying the age is the first step, but it can be a challenging step. The, the second one is confirming the age of the sold-off debt. And um, this one confuses even the experts. Um, you know, no matter how many times a debt is sold and resold, the date that counts for the seven-year credit clock is the date of delinquency with the original creditor. So again, going back in history and looking at some of the information. Um, so if a collection agency bought your 10-year-old retail credit card debt and has started putting on your credit report with a different date, that's not allowed, right? It goes back right. to the original delinquency, and that's what you have to be able to confirm. Yeah, that's right. That's good. And the next one here on the list is to get all three of your credit reports. Um, so your three credit reports, uh, for consumer reporting agencies comes from Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, and they're not identical. They're different reports. The old debt in question might be listed on some credit reports, but not on others. So to find out, get a copy of all three of your credit reports. Federal law entitles you to a free copy of each report every 12 months. So you go to annualcreditreport.com. You can download those for free once a year. So if you get all three of them, you can compare them and see if it's listed on all three, if it's right on maybe two of them, maybe it's not right on one of them. Um, so you know which credit reporting agency is creating the problem. Mm -hmm. And then we got some steps you can go through to get those fixed. Yeah, send a letter to the Bureau. So if you have a debt or an issue that's uh, too old to be reported, you're going to have to write um, to the credit Bureau. Um, email is certainly allowed. Um, but you're probably going to be better off with snail mail. Uh, if you do the email, it can mean that no human will ever see it. So um, when you do when you do dispute an old debt, the bureau ask will ask the uh, credit creditor reporting it to verify the debt. And if they can't, then it will come off your report. So snail mail in this case looks like it's the better option. Yeah. Make sure that when you craft the the case that it you know it's it's got a lot of information, um, tangible evidence as well. Um, include copies of uh, you know, your statements or other things that can support your claim that it shouldn't be on there and make sure that letter when you send it is certified with a return receipt requested so that you can prove when it was sent and also when it was received. So just got to do your homework a little bit on in that area. Yeah, it sounds like you, and you, you definitely have to send a real letter. And, uh, you know, they say return receipt, you know, <clears throat> requested is also a certified letter is really the way to do that. Currently, um, the next step here, though, is to send the letter to the reporting creditor. So the person that's that has the offending debt listed on your credit report, you need to send them a letter. So you may want to send a similar letter um, to the creditor who is currently reporting that debt. And to do this, either reframe your credit bureau letter with copies of your documentation to the creditor, proving that it was paid off by a certain date or simply send a copy of the same letter with copies of the documents included. Um, you know, and as with the credit bureau, you know, send it certified mail with return receipt requested. And by law, apparently, the creditor has 30 days to investigate your claim and to respond to it. So you want to make sure you have that return receipt so you can verify when they got the letter. And, um, yeah, that's that. I think a certified letter mm -hmm. is a good way of doing it. Yeah, it documents it, and <clears throat> it goes on to say, Steve, the, the sixth one here is, you know, if those if that doesn't get uh, the result that you want, you may need to to t to tick it up a little bit. And um, Sonia Smith Valentine, who is an attorney, says 
ne- the next step is then to direct your your letter to the president's attention at the company headquarters address yeah. because you get a different kind of response from the office of the president than you would from customer service. Again, send it certified and keep a copy in your files. And I've had to do this with um, uh, a uh, institution that we, uh, a large company that wasn't giving us a service and I had to go not through the customer service organization, but I had to I actually had to go to the president and I got a much different response and a resolution to the issue we were having. Oh, did so, you? Cool. Yeah. yeah. So that does work. Yeah, that definitely. It's kind of hard to find the office of it the can president. Be. Yep. But if you can get that address, mm-hmm. you know, and the right stuff to put on the letter to get it there, then, uh, yeah, then you're going to get somebody's attention because it's going to be, you know, some kind of executive assistant for the president's going to read it and they're going to be like oh wow you know they're going <laughs> they're going to jump on it so that's a lot better better way to go um if you can the next one here on the list is the contact the regulators um yeah this always gets their attention mm-hmm. if they have a regulator yeah so if the collector is in any way shape or form a bank um then it has a federal regulator you know according to this attorney miss valentine and she says they actually take individual complaints and they contact the companies themselves about the complaints they receive. So you can send the complaint, uh, the letter directly to the regulator, and that definitely will get their attention. You know, nobody likes to have a regulator contacted on their behalf. Um, you don't just, like talking to the government? No, we don't like talking to the government either. So <laughs> nobody wants to talk to the government. You know, she says uh, she she always says that it should not be your first recourse, you know. Um, it should only be kind of the last resort, you know. If You should have tried to contact the company first and receive no resolution or response. She says, as the regulators, they want to see that you've tried to resolve it yourself first. They mm-hmm. take it a lot more seriously if you if you state in the letter that you've already gone through these steps, you know, and you list the steps that you've gone through. So you want to make sure that, you've, uh, that you're not kind of jumping the first mm-hmm first contact by yeah. doing that and they also yeah. recommend sending it by snail mail and doing the return receipt as well just document yeah. and so forth it's a good kind of a tracking mechanism and if that doesn't work steve you can go to the last last resort here and that's talk to an attorney um consulting an attorney doesn't always mean pursuing a lawsuit sometimes all you need is a letter on legal station stationary to make a creditor review the records and if despite your best efforts the creditor or collector is keeping old debt on your report an attorney can also advise whether a lawsuit is a good option. And, you know, there's a, a, a consumer advocate. It's called National Association of Consumer Advocates. That's an organization of lawyers who you can reach out to as well. So some good steps. I think, you know, the key one we talk about periodically is, um, you know, going to uh, get your uh, annual credit report. Absolutely, because you won't even know if you have bad debt or bad items listed on your credit report if you don't check it every year. So you need to go check your credit report, annualcreditreport.com, for all three agencies. Make sure you look at those, and that reminds me, I need to do mine. I haven't done mine in a Mm -hmm. while. Um, But you want to make sure that there's nothing getting on your credit report that's not accurate um, before you need credit. Because, you know, if you're trying to refinance your house, it's a little late if you find some bad information because this takes a while. This is not a fast process to get these fixed. So you want to do it once a year and, and keep your credit report nice and clean. <clears throat> That's a great, great uh, article. All right. The last item here on the list is our prescription of the week. Yeah, this has to do with um, just documentation. We Again, we periodically review this one, so this is not a new prescription. But um, make sure you have um, documentation of all your financial assets and liabilities 
Uh, we're going to put out on our website a, a tool that we use um, with our clients. It's just a simple one page. It lists the account, the the phone number, the account number, and so forth. And it's a way that you can document what you have, put it in your safe. Um, your loved ones can then have kind of a roadmap of if something or when something happens to you, they can go to that and, and kind of understand what you have and what some of the next steps are. We run into a lot of people that have no idea what grandma had or, right. you know, someone <clears throat> passes away suddenly and they're scrambling obviously from a personal standpoint, but then the financial will just overwhelm them completely. Right. Plus you just want to know where you stand, you know? And so updating that <clears throat> once a year, I think is a very valuable tool. Um, you know, we use kind of an asset inventory list myself that lists all of my accounts, you know, and all your, your, um, you know, all the custodians that, that mm-hmm. people that you have assets with and, you know, the account numbers and the value each year. And so, you know, if something happens to me, Kathy has a place that she could go and, right. and look in nice one page sheet that summarizes all of her assets. So, you know, and if she went to an attorney or someplace, or if you're going to an attorney to have some estate planning, it's very helpful to have all that information on one page sure. that you can just update. So you're going to need it anyway. You are. <laughs> At some gonna, point, you're going to need it. You're going to need it. So, you know, go ahead and keep it up and, and keep your life organized and give your spouse the comfort of knowing that all the information is right there in one nice, neat place. So that's a great prescription of the week. Okay, that's been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. You can email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 